0: Hi, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. Every week, we work hard at giving you the best real ghost stories we can find for free through the podcast. But producing and maintaining the show isn't so free for us,
1: and that's why we're asking for your support.
0: If you like the show, please become an EPP—that's an Extra Podcast Person—through the button at realghoststoriesonline.com. As an EPP, you'll get an additional bonus, exclusive episode of the show to enjoy every weekend. Plus, you'll have. Access to our exclusive EPP video content and backlog of exclusive EPP bonus episodes as well.
1: It's only five bucks a month for all these extras.
0: And your support helps to keep our daily free version of the show alive and on the air.
1: Become an EPP now at realghoststoriesonline.com. Please
0: and thank
2: you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost
0: Stories Online. Today, after losing her family tragically, one woman loses her mind and is committed, but her legend lives on long after she escaped from the institution. A listener chalks up her experience in her family's home to her active imagination, but her mother confirms there was something sinister in the bathroom. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruschi joining you once again. Hello. Hi, how are you?
1: I think we're passing this cold back and forth.
0: It's kind of like a pong of colds.
1: Yeah, it is. It's
0: just nonstop. Although you can't get the same cold twice, right?
1: I
3: don't
0: know. I I believe it can't go back and forth. That's why once it's in your home, you can't like reinfect yourself with it. Unless it's physically, genetically morphed itself in one of us into a different version of the cold, then it can go back. Although I don't believe that that's really, I don't think it happens like that quickly. Could be wrong. I'm
1: just going to go with I feel like crap and and leave it at that. Yeah.
0: Well, you sound better today. Yeah. And I thought, honestly, this morning when I I got up and was recording some commercials uh, at eight something (laughs) that uh, I was like, I don't know if we're able to do a show today. Really? I really thought that I was not going to get any better. It was was horrible. It was like trying to do a 30 second commercial, which, by the way, was for a uh, Christmas haunted house. Which in itself is a wonderful concept. Keeping okay. the spirit alive. Um, I thought that my voice was just going to be shot. And I tried to talk to some folks, too. And I was like, uh. but I've been drinking this tea all day. And I've had about uh, 15 glasses of it now. <laughs> I wonder
1: if it's really the tea or just the amount of fluids.
0: I think it's the fluids. And the, I think the tea does help a bit. But um the The warm fluids. I, I've been staying away from cold water because the cold water is not good for a throat when you're trying to talk. Uh-huh. I mean, the fluids are, but uh, it's. I've had constant warmth on my throat throughout the day, so hopefully that's uh, been helping.
1: We will see.
0: So, yeah, hopefully uh, I, I actually feel pretty decent right now. Good. So we'll see if this... Uh it progresses for the next 55 minutes. Um, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. If you've not done so yet, please press subscribe to our show. Whatever platform it is you're listening on. And do remember to share with your friends. Let a friend know about us. Uh, that's what helps us grow is uh, with your support. So uh, press share, press subscribe, let somebody know about the show, and to help us uh, get more ghost stories in here and make it a better show for you. 855 uh, 853 to the phone number again. Uh, let's kick off the show here with a caller. Hi.
2: Hey, Tony and Jen. It is MTR, also known as Matt the Rat again. Uh, just wanted to call back. Uh, thanks for airing my story. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, I do have a story for you, but just to recap, there's a lot of things that do happen if you think about it that thing parks. So many emotions, like you guys said. Even like a tenth of that, because there's thousands of people, it's so easy to feed off of if we're going to face ghosts, can feed off of energy and whatnot. Uh, I per- personally had to clean up. Uh, that's a little clue to what I've had to do at my job. I was custodial, I had to clean up somebody's ashes because people sprinkle, sprinkle them on the ride for X or Y reason maybe their kid's favorite ride or whatever but back into my uh, well get into my story actually uh, I was cleaning in the restroom it was closing time I was alone and uh, there are six urinals on my right hand side then six toilets and it leads all the way to the back on my left hand side there are about four sinks then the baby uh, changing table then the back closet where all the supplies are all oh, I get into my clothing round. I'm cleaning everything up, and I have one of the urinals goes off on their own. I don't know why. Not in front of it, not by it, just goes off. Sensors are supposed to indicate I some sort of thing being directly in front of it and setting it off. So I think nothing of it, I continue cleaning. And then a toilet goes off. I'm not walking by the toilet. Toilets are generally speaking uh, closed all the doors, there's really no reason for them to be open nor am I walking by it. So those go off. Well, one. And then another urinal. And it gets to the point where I I could just feel something there but I just don't know what. So I know it's out loud, hey, you know, whatever you are, I'm just here to clean. Get out of here. I'm not trying to give you any problem. The toilet goes off. And at that point, I'm like, Wh- whatever this is, it's messing with me. People People tried to convince me it's batteries in it, it's maybe maintenance was working on it. Either way, all of them would not go off sporadically and it wasn't the same toilets, it was just random urinals and toilets. So finally I got very frustrated and I yell out loud, would you knock it off? Two urinals and two toilets spontaneously went off at the same time. At that point I literally was like, screw this, ran into the closet. And I said out loud, it's okay, I'm safe here. Right when I say that, the lights go out inside the closet. I get freaked out, I grab myself. I run out. Luckily, I run into two co-workers and they look at me and go, looks like you just saw a ghost. I'm extremely pissed off, I went to headquarters, I told them, dude, never put me in that restroom again to close out, I don't care. Just never let me go in there again. And about four to six months later, I ended up having to close that that restroom I see one of my coworkers walking by and I'm like hey dude can you please go in there uh, just, just stay with me I just, I need you there I'm really not comfortable and he's making fun of me I'm like is that the restroom you're scared I'm like yes dude just please come with me so we're doing our thing uh, well I'm doing my thing I'm cleaning he's you know just hanging out with me just to keep me company and right when I'm done he's like dude there was nothing in here like this is so stupid immediately when he says that the urinal goes off on his own his eyes get big, and I look at him and I'm like, Yeah, dude, I told you so. So, there's one of my few other stories. I have a couple more at that theme park as well as some uh, that have just happened throughout my life. Thanks, you guys. Really appreciate it. And I can't wait to join uh, the EPP. I hope I said that right. Have a good one, you guys.
1: Okay, so when he's in the closet and he says, Okay, I'm safe here. And the light goes out. <laughs> just- that's that's so funny to me. I'm sorry, ghost
0: urinals.
1: <laughs> that would be terrifying. That really would. It, it's a funny story, just because the word urinals in it. But it's it's really funny. <laughs> you better if he could scary. have used the word
0: urinal cake at some point too. in Urinal the story. cake, and then the urinal cake started flying like discs and frisbees at everyone.
1: I the ghost smelled like a urinal cake. Oh god. <laughs> you
0: know that's that's one of those things too, where um, if I'm at a, a candle store or something. I feel there's a lot of candles that do smell as a urinal cake. And uh, they really do. I mean, there's there's plenty of great smelling candles, but there's a lot of candles that are overly perfumey. And I, I'll just flat out say, you know, especially if like a, a sales clerk comes up to me, I like the Yankee candle or something. How <laughs> like, oh, do you like the smell of that one, sir? It's kind of urinal cakey.
1: <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Oh, there were so many. I mean, and, and uh, honestly... It's rare. I mean, you wouldn't know this. You don't go into men's restrooms. No,
1: I honestly don't know what that would smell like. It's
0: just an overly perfumed urinal cake. And they're not so much used anymore, at least in the restrooms I'm frequenting in public. They used to be like everywhere in the 80s. I think it was like the thing. It was like, oh, urinal cakes. It was like, make it smell fresh. Uh, I think now restrooms just kind of have those, you know, spritzers into the air that automatically go off to kind of freak you out every once in a while. Okay. Um, But you Urinal cakes, I think, used to be the spritzer of the activated (laughs) by your urine. It's
1: Uh, like stick it to them with stick ups.
0: Literally, urine activated. Urine activated perfume discs is what they are. (laughs) But uh, the the smell of urinal cakes brings back the memory of restrooms in churches. Okay. For whatever reason, it seems like every church restroom I ever went into as a kid, it was like very cold and also just smelled of urinal cakes. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to think what else. It seemed like a lot of like festival type things. They had the, the smell of urinal cakes at them. Yeah. But uh, it's a very distinct smell. And, and all the guys out there who had grown up through the 80s and most of the 90s know exactly what I'm talking about. If you are a little bit younger than that, you may not necessarily have as much experience with the wonderful scent that is a urinal cake. I <laughs> know we got on that topic. But that was a freaky story. And the thing is, plenty of restrooms, you know, one thing goes off here and there, because those sensors are pretty well screwed. Um, but when they're going off reactionary to what you're saying, yeah, then you know there's something going well, on. Well,
1: when you're plumbing and electrical, <clears throat> malfunctioning. Yeah.
0: I love hearing stories of the haunted theme parks. Yeah. I would love to, if there's more people out there who have haunted theme park stories. I was watching some YouTube videos over the weekend of uh, Adam the Woo, I believe. Yeah. And uh, he's just a dude who goes around and uh, kind of just explores, you know, shut down bizarre, you know, remnants of, of urban life. Uh, and there's somewhere he's going into abandoned theme parks. He went into one here in our city, Joyland, which is something straight out of a Stephen King movie. Um, and that's just decrepit and falling apart. Uh, but he also went into one, uh, River Country.
1: Down at Disney.
0: In Disney, okay. yeah, which is creepy, too, because that's the original... Uh, water park for Disney. I remember looking at like brochures and stuff for that as a kid. Uh-huh. And we went, we went down there. We never went to River Country, but it was one of the options and we, we elected not to go. We just went to like Epcot and Disney World and MGM and stuff that, that time. We never went to River Country. Okay. But I remember looking and going, that'd be really neat. And all I have is just these memories of these pictures of this really pristine, cool water park. And now it's abandoned, still sitting there. It's a Disney's abandoned park, and he goes through this thing with his camera, and there's still music playing in there, and it's all rotting away. It's kind bizarre.
1: Now, the price he paid for that little bit of entertainment was he's kicked out of all Disney properties for life. Well, it
0: wasn't just that. I mean, he's gone to other parks and uh, trying to go into other areas that have been shut down or mm-hmm. abandoned. It's like a second floor of something at Epcot. Um, I forgot which one, but it was something, and I remember seeing it in the 80s, early 90s. It was kind of like a futuristic area, and they've now used that pavilion for something completely different, but the second floor is still sitting as it was in the late 80s, just not used, uh-huh. um, but like the fixtures are all still there and everything, so he's trying to go up there and like get video of this, which is really cool, because I'm into that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's, he's gotten caught a couple times, and eventually he was uh, kicked out of Disney Parks. So, yeah, not advisable to do, but uh, interesting nonetheless. And he goes to other places too. But uh, anyhow, not an advertising plug or anything. But uh, if you're into the uh, abandoned stuff, check out uh, the Adam the Woo videos on. Uh,
1: they're pretty uh, funny.
0: Yeah, they're, he's funny, and it's it's really just urban exploration, creepy, interesting. So something I think our audience probably would get into, eight five five eight five three forty eight or two. That's your phone number again. Here at Real Ghost Stories online. Let's go to one more call before we go into one of these stories here today. Uh, mainly because I need to take a sip of some of this tea in order to read a story. <laughs> so, and it's
1: a long story. So yeah.
0: So give me one. Let's do like a two minute call here. Hi.
3: Hello. How's it going, Tony? Jenny? How are y'all doing today? Uh, this is Bo all the way from Waco, Texas. Now. Uh, I've been listening to the podcast for a little while, you know, and uh, I, I listen to it in the morning. I get up about four in the morning and go to work, so get to watch it or get to listen to a couple of uh, episodes while I'm working, which is always nice and kind of freaky because uh, you uh, you sit when it's dark outside, you kind of start to see things kind of out of the corner of your eye, which is kind of fun, you know, the ghost stories and everything, but uh, I had a strange occurrence happen to me a couple of days ago. I... Uh, I was sleeping, and I, and I was having a weird dream. And I woke up, and I couldn't move. Now, I hear, like, sleep paralysis and everything like that, and people are like, it's like an elephant on your chest, which makes it seem like it's super hot, uh, really heavy and everything like that. But no, my, uh, it was weird because my body felt like a like a rock, like stone, like it, not like I couldn't move. But when I woke up, I didn't, like, freak out or anything like that. Like, a lot of people... They say whenever like sleep rallies or like that they freak out. I actually I was really calm and relaxed. But it was weird that like my body was just so heavy. And so I uh, I kinda just said the Lord's Prayer a few times and like and I felt it like as if it was a circle like coming closer to my core, like my arms and legs started to feel like lighter and everything like that and all of a sudden it just kinda like down to the center of my stomach and then I was like fully mobile again, which which I don't know if that's really like, if that's the thing with uh, sleep paralysis or anything like that, but, you know, it was kind of weird and kind of creepy and everything like that, and so there's that, but uh, I will be calling in a little bit later on. I get to tell you my uh, fun story or my battle that I got to have with uh, tarot cards, which I guess we could always do part of a Ouija Awareness or Tarot Card Tuesday or something like that, but uh, I'll, I'll call back with uh, that kind of creepier story and a few other stories that I have so uh, y'all have a wonderful day and thanks for the podcast, bye
0: bye thanks for calling in and sharing your story um, you know, I I would say of all the stories that I've heard of sleep paralysis that one described the experience I had about as close to as, as any of them really? where it was I didn't feel pressure I, I I felt like it was a rock like I was a rock Oh, couldn't move, it wasn't like something was sitting on me And he kind of expressed that, like it felt like something was moving closer to him, to his core, as he described it. And I always just described it as kind of like this cloud that was moving slowly through me, Mm -hmm. which I think is essentially the same thing. He just kind of described it in a very different way. Um, Yeah, very... It's creepy as hell. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. Uh, You know, I I still have questions about, you know... I'd like to just think it was sleep paralysis because I didn't see anything. But, you know, it's such a weird... Experience, you know, it, and it does. It 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 wasn't a uh, a stationary feeling, you know. I didn't feel like I was moving, but whatever the hell was going on, felt like it was moving. Okay. And when I think of sleep paralysis, I'm thinking of just stationary, can't move, something's on me. But this was not that. This was it was it was like moving through me, and that kind of sounds like what he had to. So I don't know. I don't know <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't like uh, Pop out of it And then start spewing Pea soup or something Everywhere <laughs> That was what was Going through my mind And I too was like Saying the Lord's Prayer As it was going on Because I was freaking out Yeah um, In my head And uh, And you know I, I thought oh, great I'm going to be possessed now And you know <laughs> going to see me On the news tomorrow
1: Not any weirder Than you were
0: before Mm-mm. Not at all <laughs> Made for a great story uh, Ryan the skeptic uh, Writes in uh, And Ryan's on our message board Every now and then Isn't he Yeah Okay
1: And he calls in sometimes, Sure.
0: And this is the legend of Hannah McDonnell. This is a local legend, he said, that was uh, imparted to him by the uh, director of a camp that he attended as a teenager, Wilderness Camp, located near Lawson, Missouri. The story begins during the Great Ice Storm of 1924, which left an ice layer six inches thick across a third of the state.
1: And that's not even an exaggeration. I looked it up.
0: My God. Can Six? you imagine that? That would, like, take out all infrastructure at this point.
1: They said, like, a total of 3,000 telephone poles were yeah. completely, like, split in, God. you know, like, a 40-mile radius.
0: Can you imagine today with uh, with so much more electricity and so much more infrastructure that relies on that?
1: I've seen a half inch of ice shut this city down for 10 days.
0: That would be like, it would take it out for, like, a month. Mm-hmm. It would It would take it out for a month. Um, continuing on and it took another three weeks for ice the ice sheet to completely melt deep in the forested area northeast of Lawson stood McGonnell Cabin where Hannah her daughter and her husband resided her husband and daughter's names have been lost to time as the ice began to fall on December 16th Hannah's husband had not yet returned to the cabin which came as no surprise being that he'd weathered storms in the town before the trail through the woods could be dangerous during winter weather Hannah thought nothing of it, focusing her time on keeping the fire going inside the cabin and keeping a pot of tea warm for her and her daughter. Forty-eight hours passed, and still he hadn't returned. To make matters worse, the daughter took ill, having developed a cough, chills, and a fever. As the girl's condition worsened, Hannah became more worried. Desperation began to creep in, and on the morning of the third day, she struck out towards town in hopes of returning with her husband and the town doctor. The journey to town took eight hours due to the winter conditions. She first stopped at the Lawson Tavern, a bar with a few rooms for rent on its second floor. Hannah learned that her husband had not chosen to stay there, as she would presumed. He'd instead had dinner there and braved a storm in an effort to get home. Now frantic, she convinced her local doctor to brave the ice and return with her to the cabin. Night had already fallen when they finally arrived to find Hannah's daughter, her condition, severely deteriorated, coughing and shiveringly violently in the one bedroom of the cabin. Immediately the doctor gave her a mixture of medicine and tea and piled more blankets on top of her to keep her warm. He then gave Hannah a different mixture of medicine and hot tea to help her sleep, and she curled up in the chair next to the bed and nodded off. The doctor awoke to the sound of singing with an eerie candace. She will leave you Then come back again, a pretty girl is just like a pretty tune. Entering the bedroom, he witnessed oddly calm and collected Hannah pouring sips of tea into her daughter's mouth and gently stroking her hair. Her daughter, however, was motionless and didn't appear to be breathing. Stepping closer, the doctor could see her blue lips and pasty white skin. The girl's eyes were glassy, fixed, and unmoving. In the night, the young girl had apparently passed away. As he stood there stunned, Hannah turned to him, saying... It's all right, doctor. She's getting better by the minute. Give my regards to your wife when you get back to town, will you? I'll do that, missus, he responded politely, tipping his hat. Though inwardly, he was filled with fear at the sight of the mad woman. When he returned to town, he reported the girl's death to the authorities and Hannah's breakdown to the administrators at St. Joseph's State Hospital, where she was forcefully committed for her own good, from which she later escaped in the early 1950s. Following her escape, there were reports of strange thefts in northwestern Missouri, where people would return home to find food and women's clothing missing, among other things. True valuables like jewelry and appliances were never taken, leading to bewilderment on the part of the local police. Hannah's story would have ended here if not for the 1980 construction of a camp and retreat in the forest northeast of Lawson, Missouri. Wilderness Camp and Retreat. The first week of summer that year, a full group of campers and counselors was holed up inside the lodge, spending time singing and listening to a sermon by the camp leader during a pounding thunderstorm. As night fell, the different groups of campers were escorted to their respective rooms to turn in for the night. A young girl from the northern side of the lodge woke up in the night, needing to use the bathroom. Sipping from the top bunk to the floor as quietly as possible, she jumped at a loud and brick crack of thunder and lightning. Just as she composed herself, another crack of thunder boomed and filled the room with a brief flash of light from the lightning outside. Gasping with fright, the girl noticed a silhouette in the flash. Something was standing at the window outside. She ducked to the floor and cramped around to the front of the bunk bed, and peeking out from behind a post, she saw a figure outside. Standing at the window was an old woman with a wrinkled, hard face. And dark eyes. Long, straight white hair hung string like from her head. Her shoulders were covered with a torn patch and a worked cloak. It was drenched and hung heavy from the pouring rain. Neither her thin body nor her craggly face betrayed any hint of emotion as she gazed into the window. Seeing the girl's movement, the old woman pressed an old, gnarled palm against the glass and moved closer, squinting for a better look. The girl screamed, waking the camp and raising the alarm, but after another peal of lightning lit up the room, she saw that the woman was gone. The camp director contacted the local police who investigated and searched the grounds, but found nothing, save the muddy remnants of a palm print on the window. They took a photo of it and filed it away, case closed. Later, that another young girl asked her counselor if she could head back down to the lake where she'd inadvertently left her swimming goggles. They radioed the camp staff and tended to the lake, but they'd already returned to the lodge following the campers swimming there. Reluctantly, she gave the camper permission to go retrieve them, instructing her to make it as quick as possible. As the girl walked down the gravel road towards the lake, she heard rustling in the woods to her left. Though it startled her, the sound was further off and she couldn't see anything through the brush, so she thought nothing of it. It It's probably just a rabbit or a squirrel, she surmised. She continued to walk down to the beach and found her goggles were where she'd left them, putting them in her knapsack and turning back up the gravel road. When she made it halfway back to the lodge, she heard the rustling noise again. It was closer now. Again, her better judgment, she stepped closer to the woods and tried to peer through the leaves, through the trees. What she saw frightened her. Standing there was a woman with white hair. She wore a brown shift that appeared to be made of patches and pieces of fabric. The hard lines of her face betrayed no expression, but her dark eyes watched the female camper closely, following the girl's movement as she backed away towards the middle of the road, her hands up in surrender. Despite her age, her arms were lined with tout muscle, and the camper was filled with terror at the sight. The woman looked terrifying. She turned and ran all the way back to the lodge, alerting the camp director, who again called the police. Again, they found nothing. He wrote the incident off as a figment of a superstitious girl's imagination, but now the existence of the white-haired woman was becoming well-known among the different camps that convened at the campground that summer, Hannah's last appearance would prove to be her most dramatic. It occurred in December of 1981 in a very snowy night, during a week when a Kansas City church had rented out the campground for a Christmas retreat. After the campers and staff had all retired to bed for the night, a young woman slipped into the restroom to retrieve her coat, boots, gloves, and winter hat, which she'd hidden in the shower behind a curtain. Fully fully clothed for the cold, she opened the sliding glass door at the back of the assembly area and slipped out onto the porch where she'd wait for her boyfriend to meet her. Together they planned to slip out to one of the counselor's cars for a late-night rendezvous. This didn't go as planned. Twenty minutes late, thanks to a counselor who slept lightly, her boyfriend slipped out into the same porch, finding a set of footprints leading to the steps downward to the lower section of the porch. What he found filled him with alarm. As the signs left in the snow showed that someone had slipped and fell down the thirty steps leading to the lower porch, a succession of blood spots showed that they'd also been injured in some manner. One set of footprints led away from the scene of the accident, and oddly, into the forest. The search party returned to the lodge to put on heavier coats and retrieve their flashlights. They began to follow the trail. The footprints led them ever deeper into the forest, past the boundaries of the campgrounds, and into a portion of the forest that with none of them of which none of them were familiar, ultimately they came upon a dilapidated cabin. Giving each other uncertain looks, they drew straws to decide who would enter first. They crept up to the cabin, working the ancient, rusted latch onto the front door and easing it open slowly and quietly. One by one, the counselors entered, shining their flashlights around the junk-filled room. The remnants of a fire glowed low in the fireplace. Apart from that, the room was littered with random objects, most of them looking very old and rotten. They noticed the opening to the bedroom. A Step closer. Inside, they found the girl lying on a pallet of clothes and covered with a tattered old quilt. A warm cup of tea sat on the wood crate next to her, and a, not a towel rested on her head. After she'd been taken back to the camp and tended to, the young girl asked them where the white haired woman had gone. While waiting in the snow, she'd taken a fall and hit her head. Dazed, she remembered the white haired woman gently soaking her hair and singing to her as she carried her through the forest then falling into a comfortable sleep in the dark of the cabin. She wasn't sure if she'd been dreaming or not until she awoke in the lodge. In the years that followed, Hannah's absence has raised a few questions among campers and the locals in Lawson. After the roaming in the area for so many years, her abrupt disappearance is troubling. Did she injure herself and become prey for coyotes or some other local animal? Did she decide to move on? Perhaps she, in trying to find her lost daughter, did. Finally, some strange sense of closure or find some strange sense of closure when she pulled that quilt over the injured camper. It's likely we'll never know for sure. Hannah, if she still lives, will be over a century old and certainly in no shape to cope with a rough life in the wild. However, as of the late 90s, campers still occasionally left plates of food out for her on the porch of the wilderness camp lodge, and occasionally would return to find the plate empty, so who knows...
1: I think that was one of the most well-written stories we've had.
0: So, any backstory on this story?
1: Um, not that I could find out about her specifically. Okay. I just researched and yeah, there was that horrific ice storm. And that area, we have passed by there going up to see your parents. It's right off of I-35. Um, I know you see Excelsior Springs mm-hmm. when we go up there.
0: Does a the camp exist?
1: I'm sure it does. Okay. I didn't specifically fact check that. Sure.
0: There will be. I mean, it, it is truly an urban legend tale and one very well written and very spooky tale. But I would love to hear how true it is, and I, I imagine that there probably is quite a bit of nuggets of, of reality in that story.
1: And it's gotta have had some roots somewhere. Yeah, I would. Know?
0: I would love to hear. You know, if any of our listeners are familiar with the campsite, if they have any experiences themselves
3: mm-hmm.
0: or, or if this is, you know, and I'm guessing it's probably a tale that's been told multiple times over if there's any variations in it, but it's one of those really good urban legends, but, uh-huh. but let's get to the, the core of it and see, you know, just how much of a you know legend is it and how much of a true story is it? Because I think there's probably a quite a bit of true story to it. Yeah. I would just love to hear, try and figure out what those pieces are. That's what I love about urban legends is there's, you know, some of them are complete BS, but a lot of times there's, there's some candidates of truth to all of them.
1: Well, and I think beyond the urban legend, you know, the, the girl that was supposedly found in the cabin. Sure. There's no way an elderly woman that old could have carried her. No,
0: no. I'd love to hear what if that if that happened if that's part of the stories that have been added to this you know I, there's something that happened there obviously that's
1: where i thought the paranormal part yeah could oh, be it's, it's all
0: paranormal yeah i so. think it's a great story so mm-hmm. if anyone has anything to add to that uh or can uh, can share more about that story feel free to chime in on the message boards uh, on our website at real stories online dot com let's go to a caller
4: good morning Burskis. This is Lynn from Central Ohio again, and this morning I have a couple of stories that I kind of lump into my special moment stories. These are stories that I have between myself and my cousin as well as ourselves for when we've lost a special person in our lives that we just kind of wait for that special moment to happen. And I know that I had called in, I think it was last week, with a story about when my father passed away how an angel assisted me in just being able to afford to buy the clothing to attend my father's showings in his funeral so now I'm going to kind of move it up a little bit my father passed away very unexpectedly May 9th of 2008 and many years ago when I was 10 he bought a funeral home now if you remember right I've told you in a previous Two previous stories, actually, that both my father and my youngest brother are funeral directors. My father was and my youngest brother is. So my father had worked in the funeral home that he bought ever since I can remember. I mean, I was born in the house next door to it because he was an employee there and grew up next door to the funeral home, running around the funeral home, and then at the age of 10, he bought the funeral home and there was an apartment above the funeral home, so our family moved into that apartment. When I say apartment, it was the size of a pretty large house. It was a big apartment. So they moved into it when I was 10, when there was three of us kids at that time, ages ten, seven, and um, two or three months for my youngest brother. So when we moved into the funeral home, there was a regulator clock probably around 50 years old at that time that hung in the embalming room and my dad had just loved this clock it was a nice wall clock but kind of styled long lines of a grandfather clock with the nice big pendulums in it and you know it's a lined up clock and it was just a very very ornate clock and he had told my mom that when we bought the funeral and we got moved in and settled he was taking that clock and having it redone and resurfaced and what all you need to do to make it look nice again, because it looked pretty grungy having been in the in the embalming room for all those years. So he did that, and when he got the clock back, it looked beautiful. And so he hung it up in the um, main part of the funeral home so that it was one of the first things you as you walked in the door. And a lot of people always commented on how pretty that clock was. And that was just my dad's clock. That was his special thing from. From all the years in the funeral business, he loved that clock. So at the age of 24, they sold the funeral home. They had a chance to sell to a company that came in to make make a, um, a local city bank in our area. And it gave them a chance to really earn some money. And Dad went to work for another funeral home managing that, sold ours, and so on and so forth. Moved forward from there. But he kept that clock. And, um, so all these years that clock is hung up in their house. Runs fine, no problems with it, of course, winds down, you gotta rewind it up. And Dad used to joke and tell my mom, if I die before you, and you don't keep my clock wound, I'm going to come back and haunt you. So, just a few months after Dad died, we met for a family dinner. And I heard my mom in the kitchen saying, yeah, right, guys, cute. And we kind of looked at each other, all three of us kids kind of looked at each other. We walked up and we said, what are you talking about, mom? And she said, leaving the face of the clock open. She said, what are you trying to do? Make me think your dad's haunting me. And we looked at her and we're like, what are you talking about? And she said, I have, I forgot to wind the clock yesterday. She said that it ran down. She said, I just came out here and found the face of the clock open. And we looked at each other and we said, mom, we've been in the other room. We didn't open the face of your clock. And she never really believed us. She only thought that one of us had done that and that um, we just were not accepting accountability for it and letting her think that Dad had come back and opened the door, you know, haunting her as he had teased her about doing. So then a couple months later, when nobody was with her, we each of us get a phone call that night. And she said, I just want to ask you guys if you really didn't open the face door on the clock that that day that I thought you did and we're like no mom you know each one of us no mom we did not do that and she she said well that I didn't wind the clock yesterday where it ran down and when I got up this morning and came out of the bedroom and walked into the kitchen she said the face door was open again and she said there wasn't anybody else around that could have done that she said when I went to bed it was closed because The reason you would know it was closed is because when you go through the area for that path to go from the kitchen to the bedroom or even the kitchen to the bathroom where that clock hangs it's kind of a narrow path so if that space door is open you would walk into it with your head so it wasn't open the night before but it was open in the morning and uh, so she said I think your father is sending me a message to wind his clock. We've all kind of teased her about it now. Make sure you wind the clock, Mom, before Dad opens the door to remind you. So it has never happened since the second time. But then again, she's pretty alert and good now at checking to make sure that that clock is wound and running every day. First thing in the morning, she checks the clock now. So, And we're all in the habit checking the clock when we when we get to the house whenever we get there that's kind of the first thing we do is check the clock so that was kind of humorous we all thought and we just finally figured it was dad coming back to tell her wind my clock now my second story of this was let's see two years ago on New Year's Eve 2012 my uncle passed away and he was very elderly, um, I think he was 89 or 90 when he passed away. Anyways, he is my mom's oldest sibling. There are six siblings in that family, and he's the only one still to have passed away, but he was the oldest and he did pass away. Now, when I say there were six siblings in that family, only two of them, being my uncle and my mother, remained in our hometown after they grew up and graduated from high school and college they did not leave the area as the other four had so my uncle married my aunt and they had two daughters one is four four years older than me the other is a year older than me so we grew up very close the three of us girls we grew up very close doing everything together we played music together we still do we rode horses together we we did everything together so when my uncle passed away. My cousin, that's a year older than me, cousin, she took it very, very hard. She was very close to her dad. He had been in a nursing home for the past seven years before he died, and she went up every night, took care of things, got him ready for bed, fed him dinner. Just a very, very, very good and devoted daughter. And so during the calling hours and during the funeral of course she was very emotional and you know, we were just holding each other for comfort. And then after his funeral we went back to their house for a family dinner and just, you know, meet, greet, discuss, talk, you know, share stories, the whole things you usually do after a funeral. And she kept just she was a little aloof and a little distant and I finally said, Kim, I said, What's wrong? I said, I know I know that you're very emotional and very upset about your dad's passing but I said, there's something more here going on. I could just tell. I could feel it, and and being I mean, as close as we were, so she said, I I keep looking for my special moment, and nothing seems to be happening. She said, everybody's had a special moment when somebody very close and near and dear to them has died. She said, I don't seem to be getting my special moment, and she kept saying, I need my special moment. I miss my dad so bad. I need my special moment. And so I said, well, you know they come to you when you least expect it. I said, don't be watching for it, and it will come to you. I said, if if he's able to send you any kind of a greeting to let you know that he's okay, I said, he will. He loved you dearly. He was your dad. He will. So, a little bit later, probably about an hour later, it was a little after four o'clock, we're all sitting on the couch, and um, my cousin's sitting in the chair beside the couch, and on the couch is myself and my youngest brother, and and several other family members that, that side of the family that my mom's side of the family is a very very large family so there was quite a few people in the the living room and on the wall across from where we were sitting is their family portrait you know, them with their dad and their mom and both of the daughters and and it hangs up alongside of the fireplace which was not in use so all of a sudden while we're talking my brother says Hey, look over at your family portrait at the picture with your dad. He says, look how the sunlight is highlighting your dad. And we all looked over there and here a ray of sunshine coming through the window was making just a perfectly round silhouette around their dad, my uncle. The only person in that whole picture to be... In In the center of that ray of sunshine was their dad, nobody else, everybody else was in the shadows, but just her dad and I looked over and squeezed her hand and I said here's your special moment, Kim and she just started to cry, she said, "He only said that a ray of sunshine will make for a happy day and I said there you go he's made he's brought you his ray of sunshine, and he 's having a happy day he 's no longer suffering he 's pain free he 's happy, and he 's in heaven and she just remembers that now very, very vividly to this day that you know, that, that was her special moment. So I wanted to share those two moments with you and, and just kind of say, you know, they, our family members may come back to haunt us, so to speak, but sometimes they just do it to touch our hearts, too, when we need that special time in our lives, because sometimes it's very tough to get through the day, and and it's just very, very caring to us to hear a pick-me-up message or a special a special message just from somebody that we've loved cherished and missed so on that note have a very very nice day and i will talk to you another time bye that was nice to
1: have a couple of happier little Mm -hmm. you know hello from the other side stories yeah the, it's good to hear
0: those sometimes. Yeah. Uh,
1: the, the clock one. I could see you doing that. You better do this or I'm going to haunt you. And me being afraid, I would do it every day.
0: I'm going to haunt you regardless. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Okay. Unless you die before me. <laughs> That's about the only way that this will not occur. So, uh, there you go.
1: <laughs> I liked your stories.
0: Yeah, I did too. I thought it was really good. You know, it, 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 not, you know, to to degrade the stories by any means. But you never hear of... Maybe you do. Maybe I'm just completely not thinking it's here. But you never hear of stories of the people that have passed on if they're not in such a good place coming back and saying something. You know, the opposite there in that case would have been, oh, it's a ray of sunshine but like burn through the photo or something. You know, oh, something horrible. Yeah. You know, And I'm not in any way implying that after that story. I'm just saying in general, we never... Or maybe we do. Maybe there's some of those dark things are that. It's just, it's not as clear cut of like, hey, I'm okay, because I guess if you're not in such a great place, you're not going to come back, like, hey, I'm rotting over here in hell, just like uh, all my friends said I they wanted me to, something behind my back.
1: <laughs> I have no idea, you know, being that there are so many different types of ghosts. Sure. Like, I have no idea what shadow people mean. What does that
0: yeah, mean? Yeah, you're right. I mean, so? it, it really could, you know... It'd be interesting if there's any stories like that out there anyone has of, of a loved one coming back to communicate as a warning. Like, hey, get your shit together. Otherwise, you're going to go where I went. Sure. You know, or or do you not uh, do they not have the opportunity to uh, to come back and, and relay that message? They, you know? they
1: can't come back. Maybe it's just the ones that are stuck in limbo or the ones in, in that have better, gone on to a better place oh. that can come back.
0: Sure. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our number. Uh, Katie writes and Hey, guys, here's my story. When I was 12 or 13 and moved into a house along with my mother, sister, and stepfather. I really liked this home, but after a while, I would start feeling strange while in the bathroom. We had two bathrooms. One was downstairs and the other upstairs. The stairs were only four steps, and the bathrooms weren't far from each other. The one downstairs was only a sink and a toilet, and the other was a full bathroom. Apparently, the man who lived there before us couldn't walk, so they built a small bathroom downstairs. Up the stairs, it turned into a small hallway. On the right was immediately the bathroom, and then on the left, my bedroom. Almost directly across from the bathroom, at the end of the hall, was my sister's bedroom. Across from hers was my mom and stepdad's bedroom, so there's the the imagery of what that part of the house looked like. And walking out of my bedroom and downstairs, I would have to pass the bathroom, and almost every time I did, i think that someone was in there, or was just in there and had walked down the stairs like my sister. Never really thought about it as I walked by, just sort of feeling as though and thought that the room had energy in there. Then when I would get downstairs, and of course no one had been in there, sometimes I would go into the bathroom without needing to be in there, just to see if I was really scared, and stand in front of the sink and play with the mirror. It was a three-part mirror, and the sides of the mirror could swivel out so you could look at the angles of your face. After a while, I'd feel such heaviness in there that I would run out, I'd use the downstairs bathroom, but my mom would tell me not to use it because the toilet kept breaking and she somehow locked that bathroom and I don't know how to unlock it. It may have not been her locking it at all, but I still refused to use the other one until it was time for a shower. I had to talk myself into taking a shower every morning and do it as fast as possible. I always felt like there was something in the corner staring at me and even looked darker in that corner. On a few occasions, I thought I heard someone speak in that same area. I never would sleep with my bedroom door closed, but in that house I did. I feared that whatever was in that bathroom would come into my bedroom before anywhere else. Whenever I'd get home from school and no one else was home, I'd wait outside until they did. Sometimes it was one or two hours. As terrified as I was at this bathroom, I chalked it up to being my imagination. Just told myself that it was just me imagining the entity in the bathroom, and had never told my family about it until we had moved out two years later. I told my, my mom about my feelings, and I, she, she said to me, Okay, I, I never told you girls about this because I didn't want to scare you. She then began to tell me that one day, while she was home alone, she was taking a bath and heard someone whistling the same tune over and over. At first, she was confused, but as it continued, she realized that it was coming from inside the bathroom with her. Just before we moved out, she was working at the town's only gas station. When a man had requested some cigarettes, my mom asked him for his ID. Upon inspecting it, she saw that it had our address. She said, ''Oh, you used to live in that house. I'm renting it now.'' He said, ''Oh, yeah. I need to update my license. That was a long time ago.'' And he started towards the door. Then he stopped and said to my mom, ''Okay, I have to ask.'' "'Have you had anything strange happen to you while you were in the bathroom?' "'My mom got very intrigued and said, "'Yes, why, what happened?' "'The man said, "'Oh, no, I can't talk about it.' "'My mom asked him again to please tell her, "'but he refused and then left. "'Whatever happened to him either made him too afraid to speak out about it "'or didn't want to scare our family because we still lived there. "'I asked my mom what his name was, "'but she couldn't remember him. and "'She never saw him again, "'even though we'd lived in the same town almost a decade longer.' We moved about a block away after two years of living there and drove past that house many times but never saw one family live there for more than two months. It's a mystery to this day. Just because you think you're imagining something doesn't mean it's not there. You don't have to see it to know something is, is there either. Thank you so much for reading my story. I have many more if you ever want to hear them. You have a great show and it's a great place for people to come when they think no one will believe them. Thank you so much. I'll continue to tune in. And yes, we would like to hear more of your stories.
1: I so would I mean, want to know what the guy in the gas station knew about that. I know.
0: I would chase him down.
1: I know. I'd be like, you have to tell me. I don't know how much longer I could have lived in that place, yeah. but I, it, you know, that's one of those things that would just gnaw at me forever.
0: If you're not going to tell what happened, then don't, don't, don't bring it up.
1: No, don't allude to you knowing something. <laughs> exactly.
0: I mean, it could have been like, oh, you know happened there? You know what happened there, right? No. Oh, okay. Well, have a good day. Bye-bye.
1: You just don't do that.
0: No, you don't do that. Oh, that's creepy. Uh, 855-853-4802. Use a phone number to call in here. It's your real ghost stories online to share your story with us. Let's go to the caller. Hi.
3: Hi, Tony.
5: Hi, Jenny. Um, I had the weirdest thing happen to me just recently about an hour ago. Um, I work overnight at a building that has been used for multiple things, and I don't know the exact history of it. Um, but it is the corporate building. And um, since I worked overnight, you know, just like it's creepy in itself because there's really no one here. So um, what happened was I went to the bathroom and there was no one there. It has the light sensors where um, if it if no one's been in there for so many minutes, like it turns off. So when I came in, the lights turned off. Uh, or I'm sorry, they, excuse me, they turned on. Um, because the sensor detected me, so I knew that there was no one in there for a while. And um, the paper towel dispensers that we have are automatic, the ones where you have to, like, wave your hand in front of them to uh, get the paper towel out. So I go into the bathroom stall, lock the door, sit down, do what I got to do, and all of a sudden, um, the towel tank goes off. And I was like, well, that's weird, like... You know, usually um, when someone comes in, you can hear the door. It's so distinct that it makes a creaking noise, um, and it has a latch on it. So when you open the door and it closes, it latches, so I would have heard someone come in. Um, and then when I was washing my hands, I had been use that machine that went off. Um, I could have sworn I saw uh, what seemed to be a girl in a green shirt kind of dart towards the stalls. Um, in the hallway. And the bathroom, the way it's set up, it's about a 10 foot hallway. And then on the right side, when you first come in, are the sinks. And then to the left is all the stalls. And so it was back in the corner. And um, it so happened to be in the back of that corner, there was um, a couple lights up. So it was kind of dark. So I don't know if maybe because I'm so tired and it's like overnights that um, I was freaked out. But I thought that was weird. So I just want to show that to you guys. And um,
1: I hope it goes on the show. Thanks. Bye. Okay, my personal opinion. If you saw something clear enough to tell us what color, then I think you saw something.
0: Yeah, I think that pretty much narrows it down. It's paranormal bathroom day here at Real Ghost Stories Online.
1: It sure is, isn't it?
0: It's funny how that works sometimes, where um, the calls will end up uh, kind of playing along with some of the, the stories that we've selected to share. And it's it, the the stories are, are lined up, but the calls are, are not so much other than, let's get some calls on the air. Right. And uh, we don't really know what's going to be in them until we start playing them back. But uh, lots of uh, coincidences on this show. When we talk about a topic, it all seems to go. It was one of the theme parks not long ago where... Right. There's multiple theme park stories. I don't know. I don't know why that is, but it's always happened. Even before you got on the show, yeah, I would notice that. And, and
1: we do not coordinate that at all. And I don't do a themed show. No, either I mean, for uh, the stories. If
0: we were to do a themed show, we would tell you at the beginning. <laughs> We'd right. be like, "Hey, today we're done with this." But uh, it's interesting how that uh, that works. Nonetheless, lots of strange things that happen inside bathrooms. All the more reason that I'm cautious of them in the middle of the night. <laughs> And I don't look into the mirrors. <laughs> so uh, so there you go. That's but our show for today. My voice uh, somewhat survived.
1: <clears throat> you made it. I do have to say with the power of Google, I did find that camp does exist. Okay. But I did not find anything about the legend of Hannah McGonagall. Interesting. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop looking. I'm sure it's out there. I'm like that. Yeah. I like to dig for things.
0: And if anyone else wants to dig too and share uh, all of our findings up on that message board, that would be... Uh, yeah. That'd be interesting. Be a little resource on that haunting, uh, right there. So, uh, if you've not done so yet, please become an EPP. If you like the show, support the show that's what keeps it going. Without your support, without our EPPs, the show would not be continuing on. So, it's only five bucks a month. to get a bonus episode every single week, and you get access to all those bonus episodes as well, as well as uh, video content and stuff. And it's just a nice way to uh, to keep our show alive. So, if you've got five bucks a month to spare, uh, please uh, throw it in the kitty and, uh, and help us go. You can uh, sign up on the website realghoststoriesonline.com So, until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Have a good night. I'm going to go have some more tea. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.